We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Yeah, we are still in our series called Overcoming. And every time I think we're done, then there's, there's something more that uh, gets quickened uh, to me. <laughs> so it sort of kicks in me. And uh, yeah, I want to just share this morning a bit about overcoming the pressure to perform. Overcoming the pressure to perform. And I think that's applicable to everyone. Um, so uh, it's really in different, aid, um, different stages, different arenas. There's, there's a lot of pressure in life. And, uh, and a big pressure is the pressure to perform. And I think, um, obviously, in the world out there, it's a performance-driven system. Um, and I spoke to a lot of people, actually, of late, who is really, like, battling with this pressure. Um, and uh, even teachers, which is, like, really, like, st- stirred something in me. Like, the teachers are really, like, struggling. Um, because not of the education, not of the workload, but of the pressure to perform. And then that pressure is converted onto children. Um, and I mean, if you think about the schooling system, I'll probably speak on that soon because it comes up every week. But uh, it is really, if you think about a, a Christmas tree Christian, then uh, what is the schooling system doing to our kids uh, in terms of performance mentality? But what is it that is causing those pressures, the pressure to perform? Two questions, three questions I want to ask you is who are you trying to impress? And again, this is not for me, this is for you. Okay, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> He dealt with me during my preparation so I can help you during the service. So who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to achieve? And then the third question, which probably is the one that will hit a heart note, is are you being yourself? Who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to achieve? And are you being yourself? Say, sure, Peter, this is a long weekend, this is bride day. <laughs> Why did you come? Well, God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free this morning from the pressure to perform, the pressure to impress. God wants you to be yourself. Why else did He make you the way He did? If He wanted you to be something different, He would have made you different. He wants you to be who you are. He is happy with you who you are. My number one relationship advice is be yourself because the rest of your life is a very long time not to be yourself. If you're married and you can't be yourself, come to our marriage preparation course. If you're not married, start being yourself. I'm not saying don't be courteous and don't be nice. and like Do that, but be yourself. Because if people don't like who you are, then like, don't marry them because the rest of your life is a long time to not be who you are. Okay? So what happens? Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he says, John, you must baptize me. And John says, no, I can never do that. And he says, well, you have to because all words should be fulfilled. And then there's a word, there's a dove that comes down. No, there isn't. There's a Holy Spirit that comes down and it looks like it's in the form of a dove. And then there's a, wo- a voice from heaven and the voice says what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay. Genesis 1.26, God makes man in his image and according to his likeness. Why do I link the two? Because if God looks at you, he says, this is my 
son. Ladies, if you were here on Wednesday night, then you know what I'm talking about. Pastor Isaac clearly explained, son is not gender. Son is the one who carries forth the purposes, plans, and identity of the father. That's why we are all sons. And in him, we are not sons and daughters. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ. Okay? So we are the sons of God in whom God is well pleased. So I'm going to ask those three questions again. Who are you trying to impress if God is already pleased with you? What are you trying to achieve if God is already pleased with you? And why are you trying to be someone else if God is already pleased with you? We can go home now. <laughs> Throughout this, uh, this series, sorry, I'm just going to move this forward because this monitor is causing an echo and it looks like I'm tight to the table, which I don't like. Now, the Word says that Jesus was tempted and tested in every way like we are. Okay? And then you think, but you didn't have social media. Well, <laughs> it's not social media that's the problem. It's what you do on social media, what you compare yourself to on social media. Okay? So, John 7 is a very interesting part. And you know what? It's often the people we love the most that hurt us the most, or the people we love the most that we hurt the most. Why? Because we, we get in between, like, the defense. We get behind the veil. We get into where the vulnerabilities are. And Jesus is the same. John 7, verse 1, and um, I'm just going to jump between translations, but you can follow. It says, After this, Jesus traveled around the country of Galilee. And he did not want to travel to Judea. So he was in Galilee. He was by the sea. He did not want to go to Judea. Why? Because the Jewish leaders there wanted to kill him. So this is just the background setting for what we're going to look at. So Jesus is not going to Judea. Why? Because his life is at risk there. Okay? It's important to know this. So he hides in Galilee. He doesn't stop preaching. He just preaches somewhere else. So I don't know about you, but that's quite a precious situation. If you can't go into a province because the leaders there are looking to kill you. Not just looking to speak to you, they're looking to kill you. So, that sets the, 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 the stage. And then verse 2 says, Now the Jews, Jewish feast of tabernacles was at hand. Now, in the Jewish culture, there's seven feasts, and these feasts happen. And when it happens, then people go. Everyone goes to the feast. Okay, Those feasts all point to Christ. And we're going to have a... a, 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 a deciding what we're going to do next week but it's either going to be jesus in genesis or jesus in the old testament we're going to we're going to go into that soon but now all of those feasts are not yet fulfilled by the way the feast of trumpets is not yet fulfilled it's still coming but these feasts are at hand and now listen to verse 3 it says so his brothers said to him you should leave here and go to the festival in judea I thought your brothers are people who would look out for you, love you, try to protect you. That's just where they wanted to what? kill Jesus. Now his very brothers is now saying, go to Judea. Like Pastor Isaac said as well on Wednesday night, um, Mary is no longer a virgin because Jesus had brothers. Amen? So there was a virgin birth, but we can't pray for a virgin Mary because she doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> his brothers said to him, you should leave here and go to the festival in Judea. Then your followers there can see the miracles you do. 
So where is this? This is where the people want to kill Jesus. Who's saying he should go there? His very family. Why? They're putting a pressure on him to perform. Like, and they're even willing to risk his life because they don't believe in him. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe he's the Son of God. Verse 4, For there is no man that does anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If you do these things, show thyself to the world. He says, show yourself to the world. Why are you playing small? Why are you playing safe? Why are you not out there? The ERV says, if you want to be well known, you must not hide what you do. So if you can do such amazing things, let the whole world see you do them. How sarcastic can you get? If you can do these amazing things, why don't you let the whole world see that you do them? Sarcasm from his very own family. Jesus' brothers said this because even they did not believe in him. Verse 5. So they don't believe, but now they're willing to risk it. Or they're wanting him to risk it. Verse 18. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. Now it's Jesus speaking. But he that seeketh his own glory, or his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So Jesus is now challenged again to perform by his very family. Go to the feast, go and make your name great, go and be, go and do your miracles, go and show them who you are if you're really this great. But then Jesus answers and he says, He that seeks his own glory versus seeking the glory of him that sent him. So what he's saying is, I'm not seeking my own glory. So if Jesus were seeking his own glory, then he would be more probable to succumb to the pressure to perform. But now he's seeking the glory of his Father, so therefore he's not moved by the pressures of man. Okay, it's very important. Because Jesus said, I say what I hear my Father say, and I do what I see my Father do. Nothing else. Not what people expect of me, not the pressures that people put on me, not even what I need to do to earn money. Okay, we need money. Jehovah Jireh, that's who we have, our provider. But often we perform or we put pressure on us to perform because we don't trust in provision. We don't trust in God's timing. We don't often trust in God's plan. Like you said, there's, God gave you two words four years ago and you had a picture of how that's going to work out. And that probably hasn't worked out that well yet, but there was a blessing in the journey. And we, we miss the blessing in the journey if we're so fixated on the destination. Jesus said in John 6.34 that in this life you will have trouble. So take heart. That's 33. Sorry, seek first the kingdom of God. Then Jesus goes on and he says as well, he says, live for today. Because tomorrow is going to have enough worries. Another prophecy we don't like. <laughs> Tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. So live for today. Live in the moment. Live now. God is the light on our path. The light lamp to your feet. Every step of the way. You can learn something every day. Amen? Not just on a Sunday. So, Ephesians 6, 6-8. Always do what is right and not only when others are watching. This is a concept of Christianity. A concept of not living to perform. If you're looking to only please, then you're only going to work when it's pleasing. 
Okay? When the circumstances are pleasing, then you're going to work. If the circumstances are not, no one wants, no one sees what you do, then why would you do it? And that's when you sit at work and you have peripheral hearing. Who knows what peripheral hearing is? That's when you know the, the, your manager's footsteps because as soon as he comes around the corner, you close YouTube and you open a spreadsheet. Okay. You need peripheral hearing for that. But if you just work, and even if he comes in and you have YouTube open and you have, you're still productive, you're still valuable to the company, then you don't need to hide it. You don't need to do things in secret because you're not trying to perform. You know that you are bringing value. Now, if there's a policy not to open YouTube, don't open YouTube, okay? But what I'm saying is we're not working in eye service as men pleasers. What I'm trying to do is I'm going to show you some of the roots that we, we live in the pressure. The, the pressure is the, the fruit, but the root is often the pleasing of men. It says, so that you may please Christ as His servant by doing His will. We, please, we, we live to please God, not people. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love. I love that. <laughs> Come listen on Tuesday, we'll, we'll speak about these things. As though you were serving Christ and not men. You know what's awesome about that? When it's time to go home... And there's pressure to perform, there's pressure to stay later, then you think for yourself, would Jesus be sending me home right now to be with my family? Or would he be putting pressure on me to stay longer? And then you can leave with a clear conscience. Because you're not pressured to perform, you know that you're well pleasing unto God. And when we work as unto God and not unto men, then we we live unpressured. And you know what? When you're unpressured, you're going to be more productive. So, when I worked for five years at, at ShopRite, I was very often the first one to go home at night. And it wasn't at five, it was after five. And then they would always joke and say, oh, you're going to be a for night. Or like a half day. Half day. It's after five, you didn't even really take a lunch and you, you came in before eight, but Okay, but that's the environment. And now you pressure to succumb to fit into the mold of their environment. But I didn't always, but I tried to not fight against it. That's not the idea. We're not rebellious, but to submit to God's plan. And God's plan includes a healthy family, a healthy marriage, a healthy life. It includes balance. It includes enjoying things. It includes having church. <laughs> that was a big one. But you know what? Over time, people realized and they said, oh, I remember one day I came back from leave. I went on leave for, say, two weeks. And remember, I was the one who went home early, early in, in the context. And as I walked in, one of the guys said, hey, Peter is back so we can be productive again. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, it means that if I'm at work, I work. So I don't need to stay later because I'm not eye-service, men-pleasing. I'm working, so then the value shows. And you don't need to stay late because late is not what you get paid for. Delivering value is what you get paid for. Okay, this, should, this is very practical this morning, but we're not living for the audience of men, but we're living not even for the audience of God. We're living as part of the family of God. 
You're not trying to earn the family business. You're not going one day maybe to get the family business. You are about your father's business. You're already in. Jesus was in at age 13. Then at age 30, nothing changed. He's just like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But at 13, he was already about his father's business. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by your Lord, whether you are an employer or an employee. Back to John 7. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Judge not according to the appearance, not how things look on the outside, not how much you should earn or wear. Or, or like This is, again, a lot of pressure. What is social media? It's outward appearance. God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. You can judge someone's car, but you don't know how much they owe on it. You can see their clothing and you can feel like, wow, I want that, but you don't know their credit card bills. You see, just to put it into context, we put pressure on ourselves, but like, we don't know what it's really costing them. The Word says clearly that do not compare yourselves to each other. The Word goes on and it says that is unwise. So are we pressured because of comparison? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge a righteous judgment. The ERV says, stop judging by the way things look. Be fair and judge by what really is right. John seven thirty seven. in the last day, that great day of the feast. So Jesus said, I'm not going because of people. But he was not not going, just not to not go. <laughs> So he wasn't just rebellious, I'll show you. No, he was going to submit those plans to God. And if God said go, then he goes. So he shows up late. Okay? He shows up late. And he comes on the great day of the feast. So that's the highlight. So he stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is Jesus doing? He's signing his death warrant. That's what he's doing. But he's willing to do it because he's not pleasing people. He's living unto God. And he says, I don't live for me. I live for you. And he didn't go to approve or prove himself right in the eyes of his family. No, he was serving God. He's putting himself out there, not to please people, but risking his very life in order to serve God. And then it says, he didn't speak of himself, but verse 39, But this he spake of the Spirit, which they believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Make a note there, and go read Galatians three thirteen and 14, and it speaks exactly to the situation. It gives us the, the explanation of what Jesus is saying here. Maybe we'll get there in a bit. He has not yet been raised to glory. The ERV, Jesus was talking about the Spirit. The Spirit had not yet been given to people because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. But later, those who believed in Jesus would receive the Spirit. So this is the true riches. This is what we should really live for. Not to please people, not for things, not for outward appearances, but to have the life-giving water, the wells of salvation, bubbling and overflowing on the inside of us. That is really where we're going to live a fulfilled life, a purposeful life. Now, how much is enough? 
You see, that's the pressure that we have. How much is enough? That's another question, maybe. When will you say, I have enough? Enough money, enough food, enough clothing. You know what? You can have enough and then they're going to change the fashion. Can I prophesy that fashion will change? Can I, can I prophesy that? You must be careful when you prophesy now, because in the Old Testament you got stoned if it wasn't true. But I'm willing to, to risk it on this one. Fashion will change. Okay? Why? Because it's a consumer model. Because if we were only wanting clothes when we're done wearing them, when we worn them out, then we wouldn't need as much and like they wouldn't make as much. Where are we going with this this morning? I want us to just get to a place where we realize that a lot of the pressures that we're living under is our own doing. Or not our doing, but our submitting to influences and powers which God never asked us or invited us to submit to. Are you convinced that you are well-pleasing to God? Because if that is your departure, then it becomes easier to bat the pressures of this world. When you're convinced that God is your provider, and it doesn't mean that you'll have everything you want, because God is not going to fulfill your lusts and your greed, but it means that we have everything we need. You see, we must be careful about the gospel that we preach because if it's just about increased growth, cars and buildings, then we're missing what the word is all about because the word clearly says with food and raiment, they would be content. What is that? That's big English for with food and clothing. So what about a car? You go pray about it. What about a house? You go pray about it. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says that be content with what you have, not with what you want, not be content when you get what you want, no, with what you have. Because, it says because, what you have is amazing, what you have is Christ. So, to live for money will cause you a lot of pressure. And it's not going to be as fulfilling as you think it is. Because there's always going to be someone with more than you. And you know what? A lot of them are not even believers. All the sheikhs who own soccer clubs and Bugattis and where did they get it? So, what is it that we're living for? We're living for eternity. Where moth and dust doth corrupt. That's this side of heaven. But, I don't know about you, sometimes you... You, you save for something, or you really want something, and you go out on a limb and you get it, and then it's just not as fulfilling as you thought it would be. And you wish you could go back and return it. And sometimes I've done that, and sometimes I've broken the packaging and I can't. Or you buy something and it's really nice, and then after a while it perishes. Like the rubber wears off, or the laptop gets old. Or, and then it's just a reminder for me that the things that on this earth is just temporal. Like, it's just temporary. Or you buy a new phone and you drop it. That's happened to me a few times. And then it costs you even more. And like, it just, it, it, it becomes the snowball. But Jesus says that we live with that well on the inside of us. And that's really the true riches that what we should live for. Living with and through the Spirit, not living for people and praise. Living with and through the Spirit, not living for people's praise.
No, we live for people. The Holy Spirit is for people, but not to impress them, to save them. I'm going to say that again. That's, that's, that's good. The Holy Spirit is for people, but not to impress people, to save people. Sometimes it's very unimpressive when you need to hit to the heart and you need to get people to, to receive. So how do we go about this? Galatians 3, verse 2 says, Tell me this one thing. How did you receive the Spirit? What a great question. Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? No, you received the Spirit because you heard the message about Jesus and believed it. You know what? The gospel wasn't cheap, but it's paid for. You don't need to earn it. You can just share it. You can enjoy it. You can live it. It wasn't cheap. It was amazingly expensive, but it's paid for. No, you received the Spirit because you heard the message about Jesus and believed it. Not the message about you or some super-duper saint. No, the message about Christ. The message about Jesus. You began your life in Christ with the Spirit. Now do you try to complete it by your own power. That is foolish. <laughs> I love the ERV there. That is foolish. We receive what we have by Christ in the Spirit. Now why do we try and complete it in our own power? You are well-pleasing to God. That is complete. If you don't believe me, there's a series outside. You can take it free of charge. It's called Complete. Okay, it's from Colossians 1 and 2. And it's seven sessions and it will bless you. And it will convince you, hopefully, that you are complete. So if we are complete, then what is there to add? What is it that pressures us? What are we stressed about? What are we worried about? It is things that we want to add. But if we are complete, if the bath is full, why, where are we trying to get water from to fill the bath if the bath is full? To please God, to jump through hoops, to, to do these things. You began your life in Christ with the Spirit. Now you try and complete it by your own power. That is foolish. We live and live here and right now through the real life, which is the Spirit. So let's not depart unto our own wisdom, understanding, and fruitfulness. You see, what we compare ourselves to is what we're going to try and become. If we compare ourselves to Christ and we're convinced that we like Him, we're in Him and we're through Him, we're in Him, we live and move and have our being, if we're convinced of that, then the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Where? In the eyes of His glory and grace. I probably say that every week, don't I? Because it's really so profound. Think about things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 3. I'm not making these things up, by the way. It's all, it's all Scripture. Colossians 3 says, think about things above. The pressures we experience, which of those pressures are spiritual? Hopefully, if you've been here a while, then you know, like, you're pleasing to God, you're forgiven, you're righteous, you're holy, you're full of God. Now, there's a whole world out there that doesn't know that, so we need to bring life to them. But then we as Christians should be, we should be billboards of hope. We should look like we live complete lives. Not falling in line with the pressures of this world and consumerism. Galatians 3 and verse 5. Does God give you the Spirit because you follow the law? Does God work miracles among you because you follow the law? No. God gives you His Spirit and works miracles among you because you heard the message about Jesus and believed it. So if you've heard the message, who's heard the message? Okay, have you believed? Okay, so well done. You're done. <laughs> you're born from above. You're complete. 
Now we just live from that place and we live to infiltrate this world and affect it. We don't get affected by the world. Now I know it's not that easy. That's why we're having this message this morning. To remind us to unplug from this precious system, to put the yoke of expectation and bondage down and to live as though we are the free children that we are. God gives you His Spirit and works miracles among you because you heard the message and believed it. Verse 9. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. They do, who, who do what? They who be of faith. So, what we get, again, what we, 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 we tend to want to get into pressure. It becomes, it's a human default, okay? Adam and Eve, they didn't think they were complete. They weren't, by the way, because they haven't eaten of the tree of life yet, okay? But they didn't go for the tree of life. They went for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A whole different story. Those who are not in faith, of faith. So there's a whole movement in Christianity, sadly enough, that is about being in faith when we are of faith. Because it says if we are in faith and you don't get out of that faith and you don't, this is how you don't do it, whatever, then you get the blessings of Abraham. Okay? And then they go with donkeys and servants. And maybe they go to Isaac. And you can have many children. That is not what this is about. That is not what Galatians is about. Galatians is about a lot about Abraham. Yes, it's amazing. But it is explaining that those who are of faith, who's of faith? Those who heard the message and believed. Once off. Because what happens then? Then you're born again. You're born from above. Now you're not of this world. Now you're of faith in this world. It's a nature. It's not a position. It's not a mindset. <laughs> okay. Faith is not a mindset. Faith is identity. We have the faith of Christ. Where? In Christ. In Him we live and move and have our being. In that is believing. So those who are of faith are what? Blessed. With whom? Believing Abraham. Why? Because he believed. What did he believe? The promise of God, which wasn't Isaac. Much more than that. It was that the Holy Spirit will be poured out and live in a man. Oh, I have to go there quickly. Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom you love, and go thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which he will tell you of. Very bad translation. God did not ask Abraham to offer his son. The word him there can be translated. Let me just quote. Go up, ascend, or climb. Okay? To meet with, to follow, to depart, to come up, to spring forth. But somehow they decided him. Okay? The Young's literal translation says, And he said, Take, I pray you, your son, 
your only one, whom you have loved, even Isaac, and go for yourself unto the land of Moriah, and cause him to ascend there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I speak unto you. That's a much better translation. Young's literal translation. doesn't read easy, but it says it as it is. Okay? What it says is, go with your son Isaac, yes, go up to the mountain and go bring an offering there. Okay? Abraham, Abraham got it wrong. Because Abraham came out of a pagan world where offering your firstborn was what was expected of the gods. Okay? So he interprets, he hears wrong. Go up to the mountain and go and take your son with you. Why? Because that's discipleship. And I will show you and your son something on the mountain. And then Isaac asks, Dad, what is the offering? And Abraham answers there the right thing and he says, God will provide. And that is the word Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And we make it God's going to provide mansions in Clifton. That's not what Jehovah Jireh is. Okay? God provides, He provides the ram, He provides the offering, yes, in our place, but God is about family, God is about discipleship, and God says, take your son with you, because I want to show you and your son something, because through you, the God of Abraham, through your son, the God of Isaac, through his son, the God of Jacob, who then becomes Israel, I am going to send my son, Jesus Christ, the seed in whom you are blessed. How can God be a God of love? How can God be the only God? How can God be the God with, which is a different from everything in the world if He expects you to offer your firstborn son just like all the others? I'm going to read it again and you can go study this out. Even Isaac, and go for yourself unto the land of Moriah and cause him to ascend there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains I speak to you. Verse 8, And Abram said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Abram got it wrong. They get into the mountain. What does he do? He ties his son. I think God is like, What are you doing? But he's taking him out of a worldly performance mindset of offering to perform into a mindset of, I am the God who provides. And all you need to do is come up to the mountain and enjoy what I provide. So please, Abraham, do not kill your son. Yes, he did believe that God will raise him from the dead. Let's give him credit. Hebrews 11 speaks about that. But still, <laughs> you can have faith and be wrong. Amen? I don't know about you, but this, this blesses me. Take your son and go and show him. Not take your son and buy him a Lamborghini. What is the blessing that we looked at of Abraham that Isaac got part of, that, that Jacob became entrenched with, was this promise that God is going to come through a seed, your seed, yes, the seed from Genesis 3.15, the woman's seed actually, the virgin birth, the son of God, and he is going to provide a ram for your offering. And that is a typography. And what we do is we go with God and He provides the Lamb. John 1.29, Behold, look at, there is the Lamb of God. Finding Jesus in Genesis. And He provides what we need. 
Back to Genesis, sorry, Galatians. Verse 9. So they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, the law is about doing. Grace is about done. The law is about performing. Grace is about acceptance. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. Don't just think Ten Commandments. That's where we miss out. We think the law, we think Moses coming down with two tablets, ten rules. The law is works. No one is justified by works, by performance mentality. Can we use that word this morning? For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. I love the Passion Translation here. This will bless you. But keeping the law does not require faith, but self-effort. Why are you pressured? Is it faith that causes pressure? Some people get there, but then it's not God's faith. It's not the faith of Christ. It's your faith. But the law does not require faith but self-effort. For the law teaches, if you practice the principle of the law, you must follow all of them. Oh, we got to verse 13. Amazing. I'm glad we did. We'll, we'll close here. Now it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now the curse of the law means work to perform. Work to earn. Go read Deuteronomy 28. If you do this, then this. But if you don't do this, then the list is much longer on the bad side. Okay, That's a stressful situation. But you've been redeemed from that stressful situation. Why? Because He became a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of... If you underline your Bible, if you highlight, don't stop in verse 13. I know we've preached verse 13 for years. But there's a word there in verse 14 that says that. So verse 13 happened. Yes, it's amazing. We are redeemed from the curse. So that. Okay? So this is now when you... you, you why do you... Um, so why do you dish? You dish because you want to eat. Why do you set the table? Because you're going to have a meal. Okay? So setting the table is not the highlight of the evening. I know for some ladies it might be. Gents, we know it's when that steak hits the plate. That's the, the highlight. So if we read 13 and we say, wow, thank you, we're not cursed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And you go home. You close your Bible. It is like setting the table and never eating the meal. If we merely live as not cursed, we are so much living below what God has caused for us to live in. Then we're standing next to the bath. And we're the cook sister without sugar. We're still at the cross. Because it says, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. So that, verse 14... That, why? The blessing of Abraham. Okay, don't stop there. It's not donkeys and servants. Might come upon 
the Gentiles where? In Christ Jesus. What does that mean? There's another word, that. So Abraham was blessed in promise format. Christ then comes and He is the fulfillment of that promise. And now because of what He's done on the cross, it's open to all. And now when we enter into Christ, we are living through Christ. And now we partake of the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Abraham, which is that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is Christianity all about? You got it this morning. <laughs> you got it this morning. It's about the promise of the Spirit that comes in us through Christ Jesus, but through faith, not through works, not through self-effort, not through performance, but through belief. Not through staying in faith and confessing until you get blue in your eyes. Because well done on you for confessing every day. Well done on you. No, well done for Christ. That is the message that He has done it all, that it is finished. And guess what? It doesn't stop at the cross. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many. So it's not the Jews. That's what they thought. They heard seeds. You see, you can hear wrong. Abraham heard wrong. The Jews heard wrong. And he's writing this letter to say, it's not seeds as of many, but one, and to your seed, who is Christ. There's only one blessed, which is the blessing of Abraham, that is Christ. So we get now baptized into the blessed one. We become partakers of the blessed one. We take our place in the blessed one. We live through Christ, the seed, the promise that was made. Philippians 2 and verse 9, and I'm really closing. I'm just trying to get the bowing down, but it doesn't want to come down. <laughs> Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Who's got the name above every name? Christ. Where are you? In Christ. So what are you trying to achieve? Why are we trying to perform? Why are we living precious lives? If we are already in the one that has the name above every other name. That name there is also the fullness of every name of God. By the way, Galatians 2 verse 9 to 11 explains that. Everything that God is, is in Christ. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the provider, the God of peace. All of that is now the names of God, but guess what? You are in Him. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 27. For as many as if you were baptized into Christ have what put on Christ. Can I prophesy another thing? That is a fashion that will never change. 
That is a plan that will never stop being true. All you need is Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Him, you are wearing Him. You've put Him on. You've been baptized. You've become one with. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs, co-heirs. Co-heirs, we think, okay, now Jesus gets the biggest part and we get little parts. We're co-heirs. No, you are jointly receiving all that is His. Because when God looks at Christ, you are in there. We are all in there. If we believe. So when you believe, you get plugged in. Remember, there's two words for baptism. The one that we're supposed to be focusing on is the one where it is a drenching. It is a becoming one with. It is like we make pickles. And we are brought into Christ. And it's not a taking down and a taking out. It is a dipping there and staying there. You are placed into Christ and you're not going anywhere. And you are now a co-heir with Christ. You get what He, get, what he got. Not what he gets. Because he's already got all authority. He's already got the highest name. You get what he got. So what I asked you when we started is, who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to achieve? And why are you not being yourself? Yourself is good enough for God. Let it be good enough for us. And let's live lives unpressured, unhindered by the, the things of this world. And let's continue stepping in, pressing in, and living freedom. For Christ came to set you free. That we can live freely, truly free. Free from pressures, free from this world, free from performance, even free from the law. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.